Hello everyone, welcome to the Four Lads Had a Dream podcast. My name is Stephen Clifford, I'm your host, and this is part one of the Alex McLeish story. Joining us, as well as Alex, which we'll introduce Alex in a second, is regular host, chief sports writer over at the Glasgow Times and Herald Group, Mr Chris Jack. Chris, how are you? Stevie, all good, thanks. Uh, looking forward to this one. Always good to catch up with Alex. Nice to get a chat. Yeah, we are looking forward to it. And I have to say, ladies and gentlemen, Alex has been kind enough to join us for a second time because we had Alex on before and unfortunately it didn't record. So we spent the last few months testing him on a daily and weekly basis and he's, he's back with us. Alex, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, guys. Thank you. Um, in these kind of strange times, you know, but here I am. Yeah, it's great to join. It's great to have you with us, Alex. Uh, always good to speak to you. So before we introduce you, Alex, um, something I wanted to ask you. There was a recent article, um, and I was pleased to read that, that you, um, your health, uh, you're in very good health, and obviously you made a living out of heading the ball. Um, that was a good article to read, and how are you feeling? You fit and healthy and all wearing to go? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, just, you know, we do, uh, the League Managers Association in England are pretty... Um, you know, big a big short company, you know, and uh, the they give medicals every year. So I was going through a routine medical, and uh, I just got the full boona, you know, and uh, the you know just to make sure that uh, after, as I say, heading a million balls in, back in the day, and probably just missing the as a school kid, just missing the leather balls. Um, you know, with the lacing on them and then getting on to the mold masters and things like that. I don't know if you lads will ever remember the, 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 the mold masters that, that used to be prevalent in school days. Um, they were a kind of hard plastic, plasticky kind of ball. And if I hit you in the leg in a freezing cold day, it was uh, absolute agony. But no, I, um, all, every test was fine. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, things didn't work quite out for me in, in, in the, the recent Scotland um, venture, <clears throat> save for the qualification of the playoffs. Um, uh, we were in a very difficult group anyway, but, and, you know, I that, that's just one of these things and maybe I wasn't as comfortable in this time around as I was the last time. Well, <clears throat> when you look at the um, the job that Steve Clark's done and... Um, the, the difficulty he has, it shows you what an achievement actually making the playoffs was. So before we talk a wee bit more about um, your managerial career and we go on to obviously Rangers and things, you had a, a massively successful playing career at Aberdeen. You had three titles, five Scottish Cups, two League Cups, European Cup Winners Cup and Super Cup, rightly in the Hall of Fame with Aberdeen and also with Scotland having won 77 caps. This is a difficult question for you, I'm sure, because you had a lot of um, career highs, but um, looking back at your playing days, is there any specific moment that really stands out for you? Well, uh, um, n- not being a, a kind of prolific goal scorer, <laughs> always rankled with me a wee bit um, because when I grew up as a kid, I was a striker, then a midfielder, I scored goals um, throughout my career. But so I guess, um, you know, scoring in, in, in my Cup final in 1982 was a big thing for me, albeit it was against Rangers. But, um, you know, that to score a goal in a cup final would probably um, is one of the highlights. But, I, you know, when you, you 
look at the really important goals, then I would say that the Bayern Munich one that in the quarterfinal of the Cotterners Cup, which um, kind of helped to see us through to, to the final itself, the semi-final, then the final itself. And so I guess uh, some of the, the, the moments that I've had um, as a player were probably resulting in you know goals that I scored um, rather than um, last minute clearance off the line or some which um, that that's how we made our name as defenders and and as I said earlier heading a million balls. You had seventy seven caps for Scotland, um, mostly next to Willie Miller, and we we had a rich a rich kind of a rich um, kind of assortment of centre backs there. We had Alan Hansen and things as well. What's your what's your memories of playing for Scotland? Yeah, it was great. Um, the, the the very first um, time that I played for Scotland, I was at a, a function on the Sunday night in Glasgow for the Player of the Year awards, and I was I was in contention. John McDonald was in contention. John McDonald of Rangers, and uh, John actually won it on a recount. So um, I, I was runner up. Unfortunately, and and they're a little bit disappointed, you know. But the disappointment was gone. But um, by the time Jock Steen approached me and said, "I, I was I had been named in the squad for the Wednesday game," he says, "Look, look, you're you're not only in the squad, you're in the team. Come Wednesday against Portugal, I was playing in midfield at the time, and and uh, when Jock gave me those those words, then uh, more than made up the the disappointment of losing out." To we John on the Player of the Year thing, so um, that was me all ready to go. First of my seventy-seven caps. If I'd only got one cap for Scotland, I would have been equally proud. But to played seventy-seven times is is just what dreams are made of. So quite rightly, um, a legend of Scottish football for Aberdeen and um, for our national team. But what we want to talk to you about today. Um, and what all the Rangers fans will be tuning in for is your time at the club. So on this episode, we are going to focus on your first and well, your first half year and then your first full season, um, which will, will take us up more or less to the, the helicopter Sunday years. Um, um, so what we'll do is just give you a wee intro before we start this. So you, you obviously came to Rangers in 2001 uh, for five years. During that time, you won the league in 2002, 2003 and 2004-2005. Scottish Cup winner in 01-02 and 02-03, and three League Cup triumphs um, on 01-02, 02-03, and 04-05. Many highlights include our 50th title. We obviously had the massive helicopter Sunday. We had also European qualifications um, from the the last 16, and you also um, were against, let's be truthful, a brilliant Martin O'Neill Celtic side, and also you were in charge of um, a, a period where Rangers were massively downsizing, all of which we'll cover, but that's kind of um, your, your highlights of, or massive highlights of being Rangers manager. Yeah, um, say that again, that sounded good. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, a lot of points um, certainly to cover, but on this one, we're going to talk about um, when you first came to us in November 2001. If you if you take us back to that uh, that time, Alec, now how was the Rangers uh, not going that well under uh, Dick Advocat? Did you always think that there might be a, 
an opportunity there for you to be Rangers manager and, and could you talk us through how, how you actually okay, moved that, uh, made that move from, uh, from Hibs to Ibrox? Well, to be honest, um, I never thought Rangers would go down the road of uh, a Scottish coach again. I, I thought that, you know, we we bringing Dick into it. Then they were looking to, to kind of bring the elite coaches of Europe in. Um, and it was a surprise when uh, David phoned and said um, he had he'd got permission from Hibs. Can I, uh, did, did I fancy coming to Rangers? And he... His opening words in actual fact were, I bet you never thought you would get this call. And I, I thought, well, yeah, it's a bit of a shock. But he offered me, and of course, no hesitation in, in uh, taking on a, a task such as um, Rangers Football Club. And especially when when I, I kind of looked at the squad and realised that they are, the quality that was in there, yeah, some of them were were advancing in their years, but there there was just so much quality there that I, I, I was just craving working with, um, the, you know, the, the quality of that team. I think, you know, in my previous job with Hibs, we, we got to amazing quality with Frank Sozzi, Russell Lappi, Mixu Patline and John O'Neill and guys like that. Um, you know, forgive me, uh, Hibs players, if I've left anybody out there, but we we had um, you know a phenomenal, lovely uh, football inside, and I thought I could emulate that with Rangers, and obviously do more with Rangers given the the their resources and the expectation levels of a massive club such as uh, Rangers Football Club. You, you take over that squad. There's so many guys in there. You've got Kloss, you've got Rickson, Amoruso, Newman, obviously Barry Ferguson, like like some Wolves in the Boer. There's, there's some real quality players in that in that squad. How, how do you go in and make an impact? How do you go in and can assert yourself? Obviously, they've been brought in and, and have worked under uh, Dick Advocat for the last couple of years. Some of them have been really successful under him. How do you yeah. go in and, and can you stamp your authority on that squad? And what do you do to can make your mark uh, straight away? Well, you know, I was um, obviously quite young in my, my managerial career there and, you know, having done the stint in Willowville Hibs and I felt it was, my confidence was was getting uh, higher with every challenge and I was pretty fearless, you know, going in to the dressing room, you know, getting close to the Arthur Newmans and the Ronald De Boers, Barry Ferguson's, you know, Amarusos, you know, every one of them was was big names, you know, and and uh, I I just kind of go went and and tried to let them express themselves, you know, it was more of a man management uh, thing. Dick Dick had said phone me and he said to me, Alec, look, uh, I tell him once, I tell him five thousand times. <laughs> He says, uh, I, I just can't do it no more. And I think, you know, you, you can be the man for this job. And uh, which was an amazing, amazing comments. And um, a pleasure to hear that from a, a guy as high in the game as Dick Advocat. And uh, so I, I didn't want to let anybody down when I was getting that kind of um, endorsement. Uh, so... You know, going in there, um, Amoruso was was um, out of the team. He'd fell, fallen out with Dick, and the first thing was to try and um, patch it up with him. He was over in Italy getting treatment, recovering from an injury. So he, we were com- 
um, currently missing him out of the team and I, I picked the phone up to him and he, he said that he recognised my voice and instantly called me boss and and said uh, I can't wait to get back and play and I'll give you everything. So, you know, I, as I said, I'm, I'm running around with, in the warm-ups with the guys, the coaches, um, Andy Watson, Jan Bouters. Uh, we had great, great coaches, great backup from these guys. When I was like, I just sidled beside uh, Ronald De Boer and I, and I started to speak about his his um, career and uh, recent games when he played with Ajax. You know, a semi-final of European Cup of the, of just a couple of years before. I went to Rangers, um, where, where they, they lost in, in Amsterdam to Panthenaikos and then won over there 3-0 with, with incredible um, build-up football from the goalkeeper and forward. It was just a, a, a forerunner for today's football. Uh, and Ronald um, said said to somebody later, which got passed on to me, God, I never knew the manager knew so much about my career. You know, he was really interested. So that was the kind of um, way of getting about the guys. And then, of course, studying a few of the videos, um, I felt that they they were trying to walk the ball into the net. You know, they, they play the beautiful game and, and just get to the byline, put it across the face of the goal, tap in. And, and um, we changed a couple of things tactically. And we... You know, felt that we had to get the ball forward quicker. Yeah, not not long ball stuff, but passing stuff. If it, if it was a long, if there was a long pass on, then yeah, of course that was part of the the scenery as well. And you know, he just unshackled them and and um, made made we played a wee bit faster, and and the results started to come good for us. On that, Alex. Um... When you obviously took over the league, we were we were well behind in the league, but we were still in Europe, and you would have some epic tussles with with Feyenoord home and away. Um, we drew one each on a very wet night at Ibrox, and then um, narrowly beating out there three two. But it was in the it was in the league where um, we had um, one defeat in twenty games. Um, that defeat came away to Livingston. Um, Stuart Lovell scored a, a cracking bicycle kick, and I remember it quite fondly because I was actually there. Um, <laughs> and then it was a cup um, in, in, the, in the League Cup where you had a, a really a, an early chance to and without sounding bad but there was obviously there were, there were some descending voices in the Rangers support when you when you took over mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. maybe not a wee bit sure and we were a wee bit worried about what was happening and things like that but an early game against Celtic came along in, in February on a, um, a wet night at Hamden Peter Lovingkrans and I don't know if you remember a tap in by a certain Bert Conterman that night. Yeah. What do you remember of that night and how important was that as an early catalyst for your Rangers career? Yeah, it was massive. Um, I, I remember uh, speaking to Alec Ferguson the night before and all that stuff, and um, you know, one of the biggest games that I was facing in my managerial career. Um, the if not the biggest, um, which it probably was, and certainly, as you as you rightly say, uh, I I had to convince um, the, the Rangers players and the Rangers fans that I could uh, take them to success, and 
in fact, one of the the when when I went to the press conference when I was introduced, you know, a journalist had asked, um, I said that you had quite an underwhelming welcome, that kind of um, tone that, that he, he opened the the press conference where what do you think? And I said, well, it's up to me to, to change the Rangers fans' view and to get everybody on side. And I know the only way I can do that is to win football matches because Rangers uh, are one of the unique clubs in the world where you have to win every week. And, um, you know, I know that that's, it's not been easy for Stevie Gerrard to come and, um, you, you know, play catch-up, as it were. And he and he's you know he's still doing that to some extent, but I I knew that I was coming in there, and if I couldn't get the best out of the guys, then I would have know that yeah, obviously I would have failed. But uh, that was my goal was to um, you know prove everybody wrong, and I've always been quite good at that. When you know I'm, I, I guess you call it Scottish resilience. I wish we 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 didn't have to keep using that word because. It means you're kind of bouncing back all the time, you know, rather than being consistently a um, massive threat to every every other football team in the world. But um, that's what uh, that was. That was in my genes, and it, it is in my genes. And the the you know that adage to prove people wrong, and and that I was the right man for the job, and. Of course, we got a flyer with that, uh, as you say, that thirty-yard tap-in for Big Bert um, for the winner, and and it cemented, you know, my relationship. No, no, uh, fully. There would obviously be people still saying the jury's still out, but it was it wasn't a bad start. Put it that way. We then go into the League Cup final and um, Air United to have beaten your um, old team Hibs in the semi-final. Maybe denied you a, a dream final in a way of um, your, your new managerial side against your old managerial side, but perhaps avoided that scenario for you as well. But however, it was Air United we played um, and they were quite stubborn and resilient on the day until um, Tora Andre Flo managed to get one just before half-time and then we ended up 4-0 winners and, and the first trophy in the bag in the Alex McLeish reign how did that feel um, so early on, and and how are your your memories of, of that day, and how much did you enjoy that one? You know, again, in in my head, you know, and when you're like sometimes you you waking up in the middle of the night and um, you're behind enemy lines, you know, <laughs> and and uh, you're you're getting all the negatives and kind of oh, what if this happens? What if I never beat Celtic? What if I never, you know, what if I don't never win a trophy? You know, be every Rangers manager's won a trophy. You know, that I kind of looking at the history. Uh, so all these um, things come into my head, and um, you know, we we planned it well. We we had good players. We with no reason no not to win. Uh, win that cup in the end. Air United, as you say, were plucky and they had a couple of wee chances. Stephen Kloss had a couple of good saves. Um, and then, you know, we, we, we kind of opened the floodgates a wee bit. And to win the trophy, that was the first thing. So I thought, got, got that out of the road. I've concentrated solely on that, not looking too far forward. But then when, I, when we'd got that under our belt, I thought, right, now, 
ta next target is the Scottish Cup. So it, it was genuinely, that was the way I was thinking. I wasn't thinking away to, into the future that, um, like, listen, if I don't win a treble or if I don't, don't do this, it, this is, you know, I'm, I'm a failure. I'm, let's just take it one step at a time. And we, we had um, taken those two, one one was a giant one, beating Celtic in the semi-final. And um, we, we were obviously expected to be United in the final which we did, we duly did in the end. And um, we, we, I was off and running, really. And we, we had a pretty decent league spell right up to the, and, and obviously the run up to the final of the Scottish Cup. Amoruso, here now is Neil McCann. Is there going to be a twist in the tail? Lovacrats! Yes, there is! Peter Lovacrats! It had to be him! That that Scottish Cup final, Alec will go down as why the that's why the best uh, cup finals at Hamden has has played host to certainly in a recent memory. How many times have you watched the uh, the Peter Lofinkrans goal at the end? And now, what, what do you think was the key for the side on that day? Now you mentioned resilience earlier on. Now, to go through everything that happened on that day, but still come out on top. You said a lot about that that team, a lot about yourself. Uh, I said the uh, the scenes of uh, celebration right at the end. They must live in the in the memory for a long, long time. Yeah, it, it did, uh, and uh, you know one of the the um, phrases we used in the dressing room was "never ever give up while you're playing in this jersey." I mean, I said that every every player and every team that um, that I managed, uh, every club team, and um, you know Rangers was no different, and we we did go to the end of every game, and people used to say that about Alec Ferguson's teams, but you saw it was. I was taking some things from my uh, Sir Alex school of of excellence, uh, and he he always come out with phrases like that, and and it's just a wee thing, you know. But it's something that it gets ingrained in your head. And and um, on that day, we went behind twice, as you said, and and we come back to win it with a, a glorious goal, um, just a world class cross from Neil McCann, and and. Peter Lovenkrantz just did that lovely habit of playing through the mid, getting it through the middle and getting vital goals for Rangers. Uh, and, you know, again, with nine seconds to go, as as I think the T-shirt said at the time, nine seconds and loving it was a wee pun on Lovenkrantz's name. Um, and I then, had that T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <you had> <laughs> Sorry to say I had that. I've, I've got a hundred in here if you want to buy one. <laughs> <laughs> And um, so, yeah, again, what a game. What a phenomenal game of two really high-quality teams and uh, some incredible 22 tremendous players out on that pitch. And, and uh, you know, to, to triumph the way we did and with that comeback um, three, you know, three times and... and finally go ahead with no time left was just um, again <laughs> if I was ecstatic about the Air United game then you know that one just put that one put the United game in the, the boys gate um, so such was the the you know the feeling I had about 
you know, not only did we win the Scottish Cup, but we beat our greatest rivals um, with with a, a fantastic game in which either team could have won. But um, you know, we we edged it, and and uh, it was you know at that time of my Rangers career, think well, could couldn't they win the league? We won the first two cups available. Uh, this this is going swimmingly well. Alex, I've just got a wee question on that Scottish Cup final and because it's a memory that um, I have so strongly and, and people ask about what's the best individual performances you've seen and things like that. But I thought Barry Ferguson was absolutely magnificent that day. Um, his leadership leading the team and, and dragging them on. I remember he hit he hit a post from a good 30-yard drive before, before he scored that free kick. And I know you won't want to um, kind of talk about individual performances and things like that, but I'm, I'm going to put you on a spot a wee bit and ask you a wee bit about Barry Ferguson that day. How good was he? Yeah, uh, listen, you know, the, his, his free kick um, was just glorious and uh, it typified the type of person he was, you know, with the like the the leader of the of the army, you know, running forward with the right at the front with the sword high up in his his arms, and uh, Barry just had that real um, strong mentality. Where you know he was a boy for me that not not often you see this. Um, about Scottish players, sometimes we don't we don't um, have enough confidence in ourselves. But Barry Ferguson was a player who could have played in any stadium in the world and not be phased. He had that mentality, um, and he had, he had that leadership and drive. Um, it, you know, he, he was just a, a fantastic player for Rangers and for Scotland in that era. So in the summer, Alex, um, having done the double, we we strengthened with moves for Kevin Muscat and um, Mikel Arteta. What was your thinking behind their moves, and um, how did that set you up for the league campaign? They were kind of on the table, you know. Um, I, you know, I can't kind of take credit for for scouting Mikel Arteta. Um, because he was already in the system of being scouted, and David had um, David was trying to to um, rearrange the, the finances a wee bit, and he said, "Look, you, this guy Arteta Dick has watched him. He's Barcelona. He's on loan at PSG." Um, and I said, "Well, listen, we we don't want to." waste money and, and I always like to get a player seen before making a decision and um, and in fact I never went personally Andy Watson went to watch Mikel playing for PSG and ironically he was playing as a holding midfielder which he came on to be that, that that's the kind of role that he, he played throughout his English career um, but at that moment in time uh, I felt that he was a bit slight for the Scottish game and the British game. And um, Andy Watson came back with a good report. He said, look, I don't think you would like him playing as a holding midfielder. He says, um, you know, the Scottish teams are on top of you. They come come at you fast. and Whereas um, in France, they all sit off and they, they allow you to take the ball and all that at the back and stuff. And they, they wait for you at the halfway line and mostly... That was the tactics in those kind of European days. 
for in the European teams in those days. Um, so when I I saw footage and I'd studied a couple of days and I said to Dave, look, let's go for him. I think we offset it by selling somebody. I'm not sure um, who left, but there was there was a kind of um, half a trade. Mikel cost about six million or something, and um, Kevin was the same. You know, he was he was put in the in the back of the the you know the transfer lists um, of twos and throws coming to the club or leaving the club. Uh, Kevin was was um, rated by contacts. Obviously, Craig Moore would, would have put a word in, but they, these were all done in kind of dicks days and uh, but we felt it was good it, it would be great cover for certain positions um Mikel of course I I moved them and I Ronald De Boer waxed lyrical about him see this guy he's, he's superb he's he's really energetic he's he's two good feet um and I thought well maybe we can use him in an attacking role and you know Andy Watson Agreed, and uh, Jan Bouters, we we said definitely because after all we had Barry Ferguson as our, our kind of man who took the ball from defence, and he, he you know he was the marshal of of Rangers in that position for a few years, and 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 it, Mikel wouldn't have worked out in that position, so we moved him to the left ahead of the Arthur Newman. And he came in and played inside and was great football and skills, he's good feet. He was able to to um feed off the the the, the fantastic players like Arvaladze and De Boer and you know, or the Kanija. He had unbelievable talent playing beside him and uh, it just made that role that he had look look made made him an even better player than perhaps he was at that time um, because, after all, when, when all these players left and Mikel had to be a main man in midfield, it was a big, a difficult task for him, uh, given that we didn't really have the strength round about him as, as we did in that that particular particular first year of his arrival. You've you've told me the story before, Alex, about how after the, the first game didn't kill you, you'd go down there, you draw one each, and it's said to you after it in the press conference, well, that's the... If that's the league over, or that's the, if that's the headlines. <laughs> that's the headlines the next day. Uh, that obviously certainly wasn't the case. And uh, if you talk us through that that campaign, you go from dropping two points at Kelly on the opening uh, opening weekend uh, to the most you know, remarkable and memorable uh, finish of the season at Ibrox. Yeah, yeah. From from the first game to the last, unbelievable um, difference, wasn't it? You know, when you you think you know when I opened the papers that, that Sunday or. To be honest, I didn't really uh, read the, the the reports, but you know you get yeah everybody else tells you, and no no slow in telling you. See what about ah, your headline today? You've lost the league, and <clears throat> and I thought, wait a minute, first game in, woof, that that just shows you how important it is for Rangers and Celtic not to drop points to the other clubs, and um, but it would be totally disrespectful to say well, we we can um, just easily go through a whole season by uh, beating everybody else and then it's the Celtic games that matter you know that's you know I always felt that that was a bit disrespectful so well it was disrespectful and we we you know we had um, 
ups and downs with with, with um, the the way the league went that season. But the the, the remark that the remarkable difference between that first game and the last game, and and the you know the way we felt on that Sunday to the way we felt on the Sunday of of the last game was um, you know just night and day. What's your your memories of that? Edon Fairman game, just like a frantic, manic, incredible blastman <coughs> to be involved in. Now, what was the message to, to players beforehand? How, how do you keep your cool throughout everything or keeping, keeping up to date with what's happening in the Celtic game and also trying to focus on focus on your game as well? Must have been so much going through your head for, uh, for 90 minutes. Yeah, we, you know, we, we really emphasise the tempo and the passing and passing fast and no, no, no dwelling on the ball and um, getting it forward as quickly as possible to the flanks, to through the middle. If we we could break the lines, everything that 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 these players were capable of. And I said, if you score a goal, we run into the net, grab the ball, and get it back on that centre spot. You know, and that was you could see. I think you've seen a couple of examples of that in the game. Um, and you know, we we just kept. Listening to what's happening at Rugby Park, Celtic were winning comfortably there. They missed a penalty as well, so you know, you know, the two teams had two marvelous results on the day. But we, we just, we were unstoppable, and uh, you know, the players took everything to all the instructions to to heart, and they, I think, they executed them magnificently. Yeah, absolutely magnificently. The speed, of, the speed of the way the players played, we just overwhelmed the Dunfermline. And, you know, we could have had more, but um, it took Mikel's penalty to seal the, the the league victory and what was just a, a historic day for Rangers. Alex, how nervous were you when he was taking that kick? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was really surprised that... that that Mikel um, was given it, you know. I think the, I don't know if there was a wee tussle. I can't really remember back, but um, we we would have thought it was one of the other players would take it. Normally, we designated the the, the penalty takers. There was always two named, and I'm sure Mikel wasn't named amongst those two. Uh, but he was so confident, and uh, you know the. I'll never forget the the wee guy running away, the flailing arms, you know, the the wagging the fingers and the two hands in the air, and when he scored that. Uh, but it was a very ner- was a very nerve wracking moment, and we we knew then that we had done it. Well, because we had a wee bit of penalty trouble as well in the weeks running up to that, we missed a we Aye, missed Dundee. a couple at Dundee, um, and I think we missed one at Tynecastle as well the week before. In the, yeah. in the 2-0 game, um, and obviously Short had missed against Celtic and things. So we, we had a few penalty misses, so I remember feeling um, particularly nervous about that. But Alex, not only did we win the league that year, we were League Cup winners over Celtic in a, a Wolvencrans and Kanija scorers that day. And then obviously the Scottish Cup final over day or, um, against Dundee, sorry, with Big Amoruso's header, which would turn out to be his last game for the club. That was a glorious year, the last time the club has, has done a treble. Um, you go down in history as only, you know, one of the, one of the seven times we've won a treble. How 
how good is that a feeling to be a Trebleman and Rangers manager? And what are your memories of, of the cup finals that day? Um, another epic tussle with a, a really strong Martin O'Neill side. And then obviously Dundee, I think we were kind of dead on our feet against Dundee a wee bit. It was a, a gloriously hot day. Um, memories of that and, and memories of, of being a, a treble winning Rangers manager. How good is that? Yeah, well, um, obviously it was the most incredible feeling I'd ever had in my life uh, to to win the uh, the treble with Rangers there who... Okay, they were they were the boyhood team, you know. When I was a professional with Aberdeen, I I played for Aberdeen, and and we we you know need, need to yeah, correct people on this if they in case they they, they think there's um, massive uh, Rangers affiliation. But but obviously I was born a, a Rangers fan, and all my um, family, you know, my my dad's side are all Rangers fans. And they still texting me everybody week, uh, and you know, I, I, being a professional, going up to Aberdeen, doing my stuff there, then coming to Rangers was the stuff made of dreams. And and then to think, um, you know, I'm, I'm up in that blue room with uh, guys like Walter Smith up there, you know, and Jock Wallace, all these these legendary names of the past, and. Um, is you know Dick as well, and these you know it, it's hard to to bloody speak about that and <laughs> and say that um, you actually done that, you know. But it, it is it, it was just a feeling that nothing could better, and and then of course the the downside is is when you you lose games with with Rangers, you know, and then and the, the the hurt and the pain that you feel and. But you know, on that particular season, then as you said, we we started Amarusha's last game. We started to lose a lot of players, and then you feel the pain of um, when it doesn't go so right. But nobody can ever take that away from us. We we did that treble, deservedly so. It was a brilliant team, and as you say, we're running a bit and empty on the Dundee game. We um, totally deserved the treble that season I've no doubt about that So from that Alex um, the final part of um, this programme and episode one of your time at Rangers that summer we really do feel the, the pinch um, we lose Ferguson Newman McCann Contman Amaruso and we're kind of we're, it's basically with, with no disrespect to anyone we're, we're having to kind of shop around the, the free transfers and things was that a massive surprise to you in terms of the the downsizing, or was it? Well, this is what I've been told. This is what I've been warned. But surely, no team could have survived losing that magnitude of players. <clears throat> yeah, um, that when when I was at Mullerwell, I I had a really good first season, and I thought they, this management lark is bloody easy. But then. Um, you know, the next season was very similar to what happened to Rangers. I lost um, Chris McCarr, Kravokovic, um, the Tommy Coyne was gone. Paul Lambert went and, and the first, was one of the first Bosmans. Um, uh, Rob McKinnon went as a Bosman. We we lost about seven or eight, eight players from that actual starting eleven, and 
that's when I really realised um, about what recruitment was all, all about because I tried to uh, bring players into Motherwell and I thought, well, there's a great young player at Spurs and a, a, a Scottish lad. He, he looks very like, um, his movement very like Tommy Coyne. But of course, when you bring him into the, the, the big action, then you realise he's no good. A, the experience of Tommy Coyne or, you know, the nous of Tommy Coyne and uh, the, the, the prowess in the penalty box of Tommy Coyne. And it wasn't a John Henry, his name was, but there was a lot of, and he was just a young kid. And to carry that burden of being the new Tommy Coyne and, and guys like that, well, that's very similar to what happened at Rangers at that time. Um, and we, we downsized, as you say, Amoruso went, Fergie went, uh, a host of players went after chucked up for some reason. He could still play now. Uh, the, the the shape he's in, uh, Mikey Malls, you know, they, they were all away and it was a rebuilding job. But the problem was it was a rebuilding job within five or six weeks in the summer, you know. And when you don't get the preparation done right, then you often face the, the punishment for that. And, and we certainly, you know, had a, a very disappointing season after winning a treble, which, um, you know, didn't go down well at all with the Rangers fans. OK, so that is the end of the first part of the Alex McLeish story. Um, a very enjoyable chat about his time in charge with um, a, a first double um, and then obviously the treble years. Um, when he come um, back on the next episode, we're going <clears> to... <throat> Have a look at the 2004-2005 season. Um, very memorable in terms of Helicopter Sunday, League Cup triumphs, etc. So I hope you can join us for that. Um, I'd like to thank co-host, a regular guest, Mr Chris Jack, for joining us. Chris, thanks very much. No problem at all, Stevie. Great to be on as always. And obviously to the main man himself, um, it's not often we get somebody of the calibre of Alex McLeish on the show, but it's been a real privilege. Alex, thanks for joining us. Hey, great guys. I'm honoured to been at Rangers and done what we've done. Thank you, Alex. So, um, just a thank you to um, our regular host, Jersnet, for hosting us. Stuart Franklin does a lot of work on this. He'll edit this and make us sound good. And also, um, a thanks to our sponsors, Kerry's Crazy Costumes and um, the, the Custom Kitchens guys. They are all, all their information is available on our website at 4 Lives a Dream. Please come and um, have a look at that um, and until next time hope you'll join us for the Alex McLeish story um, part 2 um, it's going to be a cracker helicopter Sunday all this enjoyable time but until then please ignore the nonsense the irrelevant and the noise